It is Thursday, September 28th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. And now, finally, somebody with hair, Kai Stevens. Oh, we love that. Welcome into Jaguars Happy Hour. I'm filling in for J.P. Shadrick today. He's already jetted off to London without us. Jeff Lagerman is here with us, as always, in the Hyundai Studios as we get ready for two games in London. And we're going to talk over whatever that is that we saw in week three. Jeff, I haven't seen you since. <laughs> I digested that yet. Oh, I did. Yeah, I did. And, uh, and I actually chose to watch the film Sunday night. Oh, you're... You just went for it. You're I like, I'm already down. I'm going to rewatch this. Well, I, two reasons why. Okay. Uh, one is is because of uh, traveling to London Fair. today. Okay. To you you want to make sure that everything's kind of behind you in your head a little bit, but also because I wanted to take the pain in one day. Yes. Just get it out of the way. <laughs> that was a tough one. And I think it, everybody was kind of just, it was, it was a snowball effect, right? Because it was one thing went wrong. You know, you miss a kick and then the special teams is doing whatever they're doing. Agnew's fumbling the ball. Calvin's dropping balls. It was everybody. And I think that was different for us, at least in the other two games. Maybe we could say the defense was okay, but it was every facet of the game on Sunday. It was, and, and I think it really started out exactly how you wouldn't want it to start, okay, because you've got a Texans team coming in that's injured, number one. Uh, number two, that's a roster that is rebuilding, and they have a rookie quarterback. So you felt really good about where you were at from that standpoint, at least those of us sure. looking from the outside. And the offense for the Jaguars has been a little bit clunky. So what you would like to have is, I don't want to say a fast start, but you want to have some success early. And so the first possession that you have, which you get after the Jaguars hold the Texans to a three and out, you have a great matchup opportunity. You got a motion that brings Evan Ingram across, and you get a linebacker on Calvin Ridley. And you're going, oh, here we go. I'm right? sure that's and, what Trevor was thinking, yeah. And it's the perfect route combination because it's kind of a speed fade, you know, corner route, whatever you want to call it. And Trevor throws an absolute dime, and it hits Calvin in the hands, and he's not able to catch it. And, uh, look, it could have happened to anybody. But, but the hard part is is that – when you're struggling on offense, you go into a game, you're looking for something positive to get the snowball in a positive direction. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't happen, but then it provides hope for a Texans team because they turn around on the next possession. They catch the Jaguars in a, a defensive um, mistake because sure. you get Tank Dell running down the field for a 46-yard gain and it gives them first and goal inside to five. So – Exactly how you wanted things to go early in the ball game, it doesn't happen. You make mistakes, you create negative energy for yourself, and then the Texans get positive energy on the road in a place that they've had great success, and then from there it snowballed in the wrong direction. And it felt like they were really getting in their own heads at a certain point because it was just mental mistakes, penalties, things that, you know, you don't, don't normally see out of a disciplined team, even on special teams. They're just going for the ball because they see the ball on the ground. Um when it's like that, do you just is it kind of catching? Is just everybody freaking out? Like, is that a mentality on the sideline, or what kind of happened when all of those things start to go wrong? Well, I, I think um, football players are humans, sure. And so uh, human nature is sometimes when things haven't been going well, you have that attitude where like, oh, here we go again. Yep. Uh, okay, and sometimes that's not the right attitude to have, and you got to fight it. Well, 
they appeared to fight it and then climb back in the game, but then another mistake would set them back. And, and so every time you'd have something positive in that game, something negative happened to slow the momentum down. And special teams was guilty. Uh, defense was guilty. Uh, the offense continues to be guilty. And until you can make better plays on all three phases of the game, I think that you are what you are. But I, I will say this. I think that the negative performance by the offense, which the offense struggled a little bit with Indianapolis, needed defensive help. Mm -hmm. Definitely struggled against the Kansas City team. You felt great about, okay, we held Kansas City 17. Sure. We should have we won that game. And now all of a sudden you have an offense that makes mistakes early in this ball game, and I think that that affected the defense a little bit. And, and you can't let that happen, but it did. And we've been hanging our hat, or uh, hanging our hat, but saying we were really impressed with what the defense would, had been able to do so far. And then, you know, this isn't necessarily a team built on the defense. It built on that offense. And a lot of people had been giving them credit on paper. They look like they're very talented. Uh, Doug Peterson talked a little bit post-game about that hype and maybe some of the players listening to what they were hearing. You know, I think that's, I think that's real. I do. Uh, I think that's real. Um, and, and, you know, you know I, I've been around this game too long to know that you can't, you can't live in the past. Or you're gonna you're gonna fail in the future, and um, you know we've just got to focus one day at a time. We got to get better each day, and um, can't worry about next week or the week after. Can't worry about the London trip coming up. We can't, you know, we just got to focus in on on the week at hand, and and um, you know that 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 part of it starts with me and making sure that the guys are, um, you know, hearing that message, you know, loud and clear for me, and and um, I'll make sure that they they get that message. Jeff, is there a little bit of that, you know, looking around the room, hey, we have a bunch of talent here, we should be good and not necessarily, you know, just, I'm not saying they're not putting in the work, but just assuming things might be easier than they actually are. Calvin Ridley is new to this offense. He's very talented, but he hasn't played football in a while and he's new here. So to kind of be going to him as much as they are, are they forcing that a little bit? Um, possibly. You know, last year, just a just, uh kind of overall thought, though, with the offense. And, mm -hmm. and as far as you say, well, we thought we were going to be good. Yeah. You know, the players sometimes have a tendency to externalize that. You know, it's the media, they're hyping us. Well, you know, sometimes as players, again, human nature, you, hear you it, think yeah. you're pretty good. And sometimes when you think you're pretty good, you don't put the work in. But I will say that this football team worked hard in training Absolutely. camp. Absolutely. And one of the hardest working teams. So they, the work is put in. But transitioning from putting the work in to executing on game day is different. Now you have to understand that this is hard, okay? The guys on the other side get paid too. Mm -hmm. And they have talent whether you think they do or, or you don't uh, because it would have been easy to fall in the trap against the Texans while well, this team is just, you know, it's rebuilding. It's got a rookie quarterback. They can't beat us. We're just, we're, you know, we're too good. Uh, well, the, it's the NFL. It's certainly know? what we were saying and uh, we saw different. Saying every given Sunday. Yeah. Um, but as far as the offense and and trying to find a rhythm on offense, last year I think one of the trademarks of this Doug Peterson offense was it was the system, okay, system, system, system. Trevor would find the open guy. And we've seen in the past with Doug Peterson, even when he was in Philadelphia, it wasn't about star individuals. It was about the offense and making sure the quarterback delivered the ball to open guys. And I think any time you have a Calvin Ridley or a Justin Jefferson or, you know, one of the great receivers in the league that we see uh, occasionally on highlights and sometimes in person, 
you always feel the need to feed that player because they're, they're great for a reason. And so you should feed that player. But you have to have a balance for that. And it also has to be earned. You know, Calvin Ridley hasn't played football in, in a long time prior mm-hmm. to the first game in, in Indianapolis. And so I think even he has to earn that respect and to earn that ball coming his way a, a high percentage of times compared to other people. And was there maybe a little bit of overestimating that maybe? Um, but, you know, the great thing is, is that, look, this is a long season. We're getting ready to start game number four here this week. And uh, you got plenty of time to write your ship because it's not about where you're at week two or week three. It's about trying to find that rhythm and that role that you can get to into the postseason. So there's time, but it's not like there's a luxury of time. I mean, sooner or later, you got to start turning the corner and start showing some some, some signs. Uh, but I definitely think that there needs to be, I, I will tell you this, guy. In that game against Houston, I said in our broadcast, at what point do you think about taking Calvin Ridley out? Mm-hmm. I, I thought that that might be a possibility because at a certain point we talked about, I know Doug had talked about the whole team pressing, but Calvin feels like he's pressing. He's putting as much pressure on himself um, and hyping him, psyching himself out, it seems like, at times. Yeah, and I'm not saying that you know, like, a, like a, he gets benched. Oh, no, certainly not. It's just even great players. You're going to get him open by go, going to other people and then – going back to him rather than throwing to him every single time in double coverage. Yes, he is capable of making those catches and making those plays. He's not right now, but maybe don't force it. If he's double covered, somebody else should be open, right? Well, and sometimes you got to calm his world down. Absolutely. And 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 show the players also on the team that, hey, look, you know, the reality is it's a bottom line business, okay? Mm-hmm. Productivity is one of the three key components of, of being a good player in this league. And and he was not productive in that game, you know, with the false starts, the couple drops, and the one that was early was was obviously big. But I mean, he wasn't the only one that made mistakes. But of course not. You know, at, at some point you got to start thinking, okay, what what's the best thing for our team? And and I I thought in that game that maybe they were going to just take him out just to let him take a deep breath. I'm with you. I think that might have been a little more helpful. Kainani Stevens filling in for J.P. Shadrick here with Jeff Lagerman. Jags fans, if you want customized Jaguars furniture for your home, check out ZipChair.com to browse all customizable options. ZipChair is furniture for fans. Now, in terms of things with Trevor, he's been throwing some great balls, but we saw a little frustration at the end of the game throwing that pick. He talked post-game on Sunday about wanting to be a little more vocal with his teammates. We got great players that have proven that they can play and play well in this league. And for some for some reason right now, it's just not all clicking. And we gotta we gotta figure that out. And I think leading and just instilling confidence in those guys, but also, like I said, that sense of urgency of it's not all right. All right, we're getting to the point where it's not okay. Like it's, I get it. And I'm gonna miss some throws. And you guys hold me accountable. I'm not gonna. There's gonna be plays that I want back. There's you know three or four today that I want back where I didn't do my job. And. I expect the coaches to hold me accountable, and they will. And I'm going to hold the wideouts, the tight ends, the running backs, the O-line accountable as well for stuff that, you know, they're not doing the best in their job. So we all – no one can get their feelings hurt, and we don't have guys that do, but we all have to have that accountability. And I think that's the biggest thing, and we all have to lead in that way of taking accountability for what we're doing. Jeff, Doug had the locker room closed for, for a good chunk of time after the game um, against the Texans. I, 
I don't know what was said. I can imagine. But is this the point where some of the players, some of the guys need to be like, all right, guys, let's let's cut it out. We got to figure this out and, and do what we need to do. Yeah, sometimes you need a moment, you know, when sure. you when you have disappointment and uh, you didn't meet your own expectations. And so sometimes a little bit of quiet time will help. Uh, by the way, how about the shirt Trevor's got on there? I'm not going to lie. I loved that outfit. There's cool, matching right? shorts as well. I mean, obviously, it's not as good when you don't win. But on the way to the game, I was like, oh, we're going to do great today. He's it's got, a great he was, fit. I mean, he's styling. It was, it was looking It good. was good. Looking good. But uh, sometimes you need time after a game like that to reflect a little bit and let it, let it soak in. Sure. Um, disappointment, allowing it to marinate a little bit after a game is good. And and sometimes it's also good from a from a media availability standpoint that look, let these guys take a deep breath before they get in front of the camera and maybe say something that they regret, and uh, you know so that, that's just part of the deal. But uh, you know the the great thing about this situation is is that you've got Doug Peterson at the home who I have full confidence in, and this is not his first rodeo. Certainly not. We're not talking about a first year head coach. Okay. <laughs> He has been around the league for a long time, and he's experienced in moments like this. He, he dealt with it last year. And so I believe that he will turn this team around. How good will they be? I don't know. But I believe that they will be, again, contending for the division title and then be contenders at the end of the season. But they've got work to do. Yes, and, they do. And serious work to do. And they've run out of that it's it's new, it's the beginning of the season excuse. We're now in week four, and you gotta you got to figure it out at this point. All right, Jaguars Happy Hour brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. Coming up a little bit later on after the break, we're going to go more into this offense, what they need to figure out going into week four against the Falcons. That's ne- coming up next on Jaguars Happy Hour. I grabbed him actually, you know, um, coming off the field, and I just just reiterated to him that, you know, take a deep breath, um, stay locked in, stay engaged. I told him he was a big part of part of our, our system and the offense, and he, he's going to have a lot of success. And just wanted to reiterate that confidence in him. <clears throat> Excuse me, and and really, <clears throat> and Trevor does a great job of that too, of getting with those guys. And you know, Calvin, Calvin wants to do so well so good so much he wants to prove you know and he doesn't have to he's a good player and and he doesn't have to do all just be calvin and and so uh, those are the things that we're trying to just get him to do just relax um focus on his job and the, and the, the plays that you know um have his number attached to him Welcome back into Jaguars Happy Hour, brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District, Florida's water. Water it is worth saving. I'm Kainani Stevens, filling in for J.P. Shadrick. Jeff Logerman still here with us uh, as we get Happy Hour underway, and that was head coach Doug Peterson talking a little bit. We had touched on um, Calvin Ridley pressing a little bit. You know, some of those drops getting in his own head, um, and we talked a little bit about the offense, maybe you know, involving him, but not always going to him as the number one target because he's probably going to be best when he can just kind of run out of nowhere and get himself open and if you focus elsewhere that should open him up uh, he, he's a talented player and look you got to remember that he had a lot of time away from football yes and and so getting back into it look it's not without missteps and so I, I think that he'll be fine but uh, but it will take a little bit of time to get back up to speed and, and I think part of this kind of evolution with him in this offense also is 
finding a comfort zone for everybody. And when you have a, a new player that has the talent of his stature, I think Press Taylor and Doug Peterson and Trevor, they all got to find a comfort level on when he needs to get the ball and when you need to let the ball go elsewhere. And that's all part of the process. And, you know, the one thing I think I have great respect for is Trevor's ability to lead. And, uh, and Trevor's smart. He figures things out. Now, the good thing in all this, I think Trevor has been pretty good. I believe so as well, specifically when things aren't going great. I, other than maybe that one interception, he hasn't been making errors. Yeah, the, the interception, you're pressing a little bit, and linebacker tracked him a pretty good bit as far as staring his staring guy, his guy down. down. Yeah. But, you know, when you're at that point of the ball game, you're trying to force something to happen, make something happen. Because you need something at that so, point. So, yeah, you pre- you're pressing a little bit. Uh, the, the game before against Kansas City, Trevor was not at his best. But, I mean, Trevor overall this year has been pretty good. Got to get the offensive line to play better as well. Um, That's running game, part of this. Yeah, running game showed some good signs, though, in this past game. If there is a bright spot, I will have to say the running game so far has been looking good. Travis Etienne just looks um, – he's adding to his repertoire a little bit, right? Just I don't know if he feels he can expand his game a little bit differently or if he's just, you know – purely healthy now or whatever it is but he looks a little bit different yeah he's the one thing about Travis when he was a first year player which was last year even though it wasn't his rookie year yeah after the injury yeah was he was trying to hit the hole so fast and a lot of times he didn't have the patience and that allowed the vision and everything else to take over now he's having and they used this term before speed through the hole not to the hole and you're really seeing that, and they were preaching that with him all preseason, and you can see that it's paying off because when he goes through a hole, it's happening. And what, who benefits from that? First of all, he does, but second of all, the blocking system does because blocks don't have to be held as long when he's rolling Running through that through, hole yeah. at a high rate of speed. And it was encouraging, even though it's hard to see it sometimes when, when the team doesn't play well, the first thing you want to do is everything's bad, we're terrible, we have clunky offense, we're not going to be better, da, 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 da. Well, wait a minute. The offensive line did better in the run blocking game. The run game was so much better, and the that, I think, took a lot of pressure off of Trevor. And also, ETN was involved in the passing game. So, I think there was – if there was a positive in that game and you, want to, and you need something to seek your teeth into, the Jaguars' offense got better in that aspect – and I thought they got a little bit better in pass protection as well. Not against as a formidable front, okay, in Houston. Okay, and I understand that. Then I don't want to take away all the excitement there. But that's what you need to have is to take steps. When we look at this offensive line, we've been talking about this ad nauseum, I feel like, at this point. But is it getting better? What will Is Cam coming back going to help? Because you can shift some things around. Where do you look at how it is right now? Because it's not – where it needs to be for this offense to be as successful as we want them to be? It's a great question, what happens when Cam comes back? And and also the question is, what do you do right now? Yeah, in the meantime. Um, Walker Little, I think, is playing very well at left tackle. And what what's amazing, I think that's like his fifth or, sec, fifth or sixth start of the regular season at left tackle. In that that's position. it. I know. We forget that. You know, and a lot of people don't realize that. I mean, playing left tackle is hard. You, I mean, there's a lot of studs out there that – Left tackle's got a block, and he's still a very young player as far as time spent on task. And so that's been impressive, and he's probably been the best offensive lineman so far. Um, the inside guys struggled uh, against Kansas City. They struggled against Indianapolis. Got to remember now, though, okay, there was 95 
and 90 and 99, okay, these three guys, two of them in Indianapolis, one of them with Kansas City, Chris Jones, DeForest Buckner, and then Grover Stewart. I mean, three excellent players there, and they struggled up front, as most teams do a little bit. But they've got to settle down, and and I think Barch has got to play better than he did this past game. He struggled a little bit and needs Sheriff to get a little stronger. Anton needs to play better, but he's a rookie. He will. And uh, and the question is, is that if you're not satisfied with where they're at, do you consider doing something else? And do they? That's well, real. I, yeah. I think I think that's real. And as coaches, I think you have to look at everything. And I'm not saying that you should or you shouldn't do it. But you got a guy in Shatley who started, I think, 12 games last year who did a really good job. And, oh, by the way, you were thinking about replacing him with Walker Little throughout the season and you know what you couldn't because he played that well well he's there and he's still on your roster so do you consider playing Shatley and when I say consider playing him do you consider playing him at left guard or center center yeah because he can play both Um, I I think that'll be interesting to see I think you're most likely the coaching staff will have a little patience but as, uh, as as the wins don't stack up patience starts to wane got to try something new Absolutely. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jaguars, has everything that you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. Jeff, we were talking off air about this. I wanted to bring it up now. Special teams, which I had been heralding for weeks now, they (laughs) fell apart on Sunday. What was going on with that? Yeah, It was was, a little bit of everybody. It wasn't their best outing. It wasn't. Um, uh, The reality is is that special teams so far this year has been – a positive absolutely and and probably swung that game for them you know Agnew's return against the Colts probably otherwise they're 0 and 3 maybe if maybe, without them yeah, and um you know right. and they didn't capitalize on it but getting um the kick return uh in in the red zone against the Chiefs that should have been a touchdown that was not um but yeah I mean <laughs> and and it was a little bit of so you bring in McManus because you want a veteran kicker that you can trust. He misses his first kick, and then another one's blocked, which obviously isn't his fault, but it was just when it rains, it pours with them. Yeah, he uh, he had a tough day. And, again, it's not all Brandon McManus's sure. fault. And he had a tough day for multiple reasons. One, because uh, on the blocked field goal, he got involved in the scrum and the scramble for the ball. And then on the kick return for a touchdown, he's trying to he's trying to run yep. to chase down the fullback slash tight end that's making the return. It's never good when the kicker's trying to make the tackle at the end. You don't want kickers having to play football, okay? Kickers, you want kicking, and that's it. And uh, but uh, you know, a couple you know misfires by Jaguar special teams. The start with the block field goal. All block field goals. Defense or opponents typically will attack one guy, okay? And you send three at one guy. And so you have the guy in the middle and then one guy on each side. The guy in the middle literally goes after one guy right down the middle and tries to punch him in the nose. And then you send a guy on his inside, and then you send a guy on his outside, okay? And the guy down the middle is trying to, you know, punch him in the nose so that he can't block those two guys on either side. And the Walker Little was the target. So they okay. went after Walker Little with the guy down the middle. The guy to the inside happened to be Anderson Jr., the third overall pick of the draft for the Texans. And Anton Harrison, who is the tackle right beside Walker Little, kind of lunges forward just a little bit. 
Just a little bit. Well, then when Walker Little gets punched in the nose, and I use that, he gets hit. Okay. Yes. His right leg kind of loses its placement, and it swings open just a little bit. Just enough space. So now you have Anton Harrison just a little bit forward, Walker Little with a little opening of the gate, and then there goes Will Anderson Jr. right through and gets two hands to block the kick. And, and that's unfortunate. It gave the, the Texans great field position, and it took points off of the board for you. You know, the, the kickoff return for a touchdown, you had a major faux pas. You had an excellent mortar kick, which is a high hanger that put the Texans exactly where you wanted them, where they were having confusion of who's going to field the ball, the returner or an up back. I mean, that's perfect, right? And the ball's floundering around on the ground a little bit. Well, the left side of the Jaguars' coverage kickoff team starts to collapse. And when they start to collapse, they lose a little bit of leverage. Okay, and so they all take shots. But you got to remember, they're trying to figure out who's going to pick the ball up, right? So that means that the guys that are coming down the field, out of control. Flying by because the fullback's bracing to get hit, and the three guys run right by him. And the three guys were, I think, weren't sure. When, we're, or when we say three guys, okay, it was Daniel Thomas. Harris, I think. Um, Harris, who was elevated after. off of the yep. practice squad. And then the linebacker, Caleb Johnson. So those three guys. So they all take a shot, and I'm sure they're trying to figure out who's going to pick up the ball. And so now they're coming in out of control trying to figure out who's picking up the ball. They all miss. Now you got a safety in Trey Herndon, who now is kind of the last layer of defense. He's the safety, okay, on that second layer. And he doesn't do a great job, okay. His angle's bad, and the fullback outruns him to the boundary, and then it's a foot race, and, and this – Fullback, and give him credit now, Andrew Beck did a Big good job, yep. okay, and actually showed some pretty good speed, and everybody's kind of making fun of him about him being a fullback. I got to give him credit. He was running pretty fast. He did all right for himself. I mean, it wasn't complete embarrassment. It wasn't like a lineman picked it up and ran I thought he was that. better he than all right. all right. I thought he was really good. I, I give him credit now. So, uh, But that was unfortunate you know, because the Jaguars were starting to get back into that ball game, and then that play happens, and, and once again – there goes the wind out of your sails or the life getting sucked out of you again. Just an absolute momentum killer. When you're on special teams like that, is that another human nature thing where the ball's out and everybody kind of just runs towards it? Or did people in a discipline thing? Or, or am I reading Well, no, you bring up a great it? point about a discipline thing. Because... you got to stay your spot, right? You, you, have, you have 10 coverage guys on kickoff. Let's ignore the kicker. Sure. Kicker's kick, right? Yes, hopefully okay. not making tackles, yes. So then you have 10 guys that are running down the field. You have typically two safety valves. So now you have eight, okay, that are running down the field. Four on the left side, four on the right side. Two safeties and a kicker that you don't want to have be involved. So the guys that are on the left side, the four, they need to make sure that the ball is, as they're running down the field, the ball stays on their right. Because if they miss, there's four other guys on the right side that are going to help them. Okay, just like the right side guys, when they go down the field, they want to keep the ball on their left because they know the left side guys are going to be there. Well, when they come down the field, the three guys that kind of collapse on the left side, okay, Harris and Daniel Thomas and Caleb Johnson, they all took a shot. And then once they missed, okay, now that whole left side is completely collapsed and then the middle of the coverage team had actually already started to drift to the right where a return was actually set up to be returned that was the planned return side of the Texans which was the other side of the field so uh so yeah um partly self-inflicted bad angles and then just flat out misses and just tough timing in the game too because then it just 
Very the tough winged time. out of the sale at that point. And then also, I think that Tank Dell, Tank Dell pass that um, C.J. Stroud had was another one where I think had they gotten it within 10 again after the fact, and then it was... Oh, the one late? Yeah, that late one. That was another. That was probably your dagger where you're just like, this and, is over with. And that one hurt in a big way because, okay, you're, you're essentially it's a two-man route. Okay, Texans only have two wide receivers out on this particular play, I believe. And you're... You have confusion. There's a bunch formation, which a bunch formation for people that don't know. You basically get three Texans wide receivers that are standing close together. And the Jaguars are playing man covered. So you need to identify who you got. So, Kai, if me and you are covering the two microphones in front of us, mm -hmm. I'm going to look at you and say, I got that one. Okay, I'll take this Okay, you got that one. All right. Okay, there wasn't any of that communication no, they just went. over there on the Jaguars' defensive side of the field. So you ended up having – two guys, which was Trey Herndon and Darius Williams, covering this Tank Dell guy. Or excuse me, not covering Tank Dell. They Just both went to a different yeah. – Yeah, they went to a guy that was in the flat. Yep. And then when Tank Dell turned it up, he was all alone. And, you know, again, communication. Um, that there is not a physical error. That's a mental error. Just lapses of not in the mental right place. Error. Yep. It's tough to combat a mental error, that's for sure. Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water is worth saving. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about the defense. We've been talking about everybody else, so exactly what's going on with the D and what they need to change going forward. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. We'll be right back. We have to do better. We have to do better. Starts up front. Starts with the offensive line on offense. Starts with the defensive line on defense. It starts right there. Again, I'm going to say this again. We need to coach better. We need to play better. We need to execute better. Um, whether we are reading our press clippings, um, we need to get out of our own way right now. Uh, we need to evaluate um, ourselves, beginning with me. And... Um, we got to figure out how to win a game. Back here on Jaguars Happy Hour, brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water is worth saving. Doug Peterson seemed like he was lost for words in that moment after the game. A man who has never lost for words. Brian Sexton joins us now yeah, on the Happy yeah. Hour. Talking um, is not my problem. Stopping is. And <laughs> Doug's usually not lost for words either, Brian. And. I think he was just as dumbfounded as we were to a certain degree about all of the mistakes in that game against the Texans and just how bad it got so quickly. I just stopped writing them down. I mean, I filled up a whole piece of paper, and at one point I said, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like this. I, I think I stopped when the 255-pound fullback – by the way, do you know this? He is the heaviest person in NFL history to return a kick for a touchdown. Jeff was just saying he mm. thought he's pretty fast, so – what was the game, Even Brian? Even more that, impressive now that he's the biggest guy. There, but there, there, there was a call years ago that Brian called out of defensive lineman. Look at that fat guy run. <laughs> oh, that, was Keith, <laughs> that was Keith Trailer in Chicago. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't quite that. No, well, it kind of was, but it was a fumble recovery, not a kickoff. That's a, yeah, I remember yeah. it was a – but, but I, when you talk about big yeah. guys, I was yeah. that I came to I maybe my, mentioned yeah. something about the baby elephant walk. I was trying to be funny. It didn't work. <laughs> but thanks for reminding me. I laughed. Me. Yeah, I well, thought it was funny. And Wayne laughed too, but I got a lot of help for that. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, we talked a little bit about this on Jags AM. 
the it was all facets of the game that messed up against the Texans. It wasn't just, you know, the offense again. It was special teams. We touched on that. And then the defense for the first time this season really did not. This is a new done. show. I haven't done the show. So yes. can I just throw my wild theory out and, and you all? Let's go. I think maybe I've said it to both of you. Doug came in to his press conference before the Chiefs game on Wednesday. And Doug is a an affable guy. He's got a quick wit to him. He seems to enjoy a little bit of banter. That Wednesday, Jeff, he came in and he gripped both sides of the podium and he didn't really look up and he, and he talked kind of like this. And I said to somebody, something's wrong. And they're, oh, no, no, you're reading too much into it. I went, just something doesn't feel right. And then they didn't play all that well on offense, which, I mean, I, I think if we thought they didn't, weren't going to play well against Kansas City, we thought it would have been defense, right? Mm-hmm. But the defense plays great in the offense. Where are they? I mean, nowhere to be found. Three field goals. And then last week, I mean, just the, the, the cascading effect of mistake, 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 mistake. It just kept going. There's something off about this team, and I can't put my finger on it. And and maybe it's confidence, or you know, maybe they just are are like a like a bunch of teenagers who don't know how to get out of their own way, which is a phrase that Doug has used. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's tough for me to figure it out. I think sometimes we 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 overcomplicate it. Um, it's I think it's pretty simple, and that uh, the player the players that are out there, when given the opportunity, just need to make the plays that are there. Number one. Number two, don't make the mistakes. I mean, six penalties in this ball game, Oof. which you had six, the least penalized team in the league going into that game, and right. then you equal that total in one game. And then you got to have some energy, and that energy is created from within. And I don't think it's any more complicated than that. But why can't they? I mean, that's my question. Why? I mean, we all were excited for this team to start the season because we, we thought based on last year and what we saw in August that we would see something. If we're excited about it, what do they know that we don't? Why are they unable to generate that? Well, sometimes it it, it starts with just one play. And then, okay, now let's make another positive play. You know, I I go back to Kai in 96, okay, and Brian was there for that, and that we were struggling as a football team, and it was not good. And we kind of overcomplicated the situation. Then we just said, all right, look, look, let's, let's block everything out and let's focus on this game. Let's focus on one play at a time. We just started stacking plays. And all of a sudden, we started stacking plays and started ignoring the big picture and started to live in the moment and try to excel in the moment. And then all of a sudden, the big picture stuff just started to come together because we were putting play after play together, and then we started winning. He won't tell you this because he's far too modest, but he was the guy that made the play late in the ball game at the old Memorial Stadium in Baltimore against Vinny Testaverde and the Ravens. He came up with a fumble, fumble recovery that gave the Jaguars a chance to tie it and score the two-point conversion and send the game into overtime. And it started a seven-game winning streak all the way to the AFC Championship game. So he, he, you know exactly what you speak of. They were 4-7 and seven that year, Kai, and the coach was, was under fire, uh, the word on the street really was that they didn't. The players didn't like Tom Coughlin. Didn't like playing for him. Uh, they cut Andre Rising. You remember the circus? I mean, it felt like the whole thing was melting down, and they were going to fire Tom, and they were going to move on. And then, as Jeff said, made a play, made another one. The next week in the rain, they come home from Baltimore and and Cincinnati, and can't do anything but score field goals. But the defense plays well. I mean, it was just that's what it takes. So, who on this team, Jeff, is capable of making that play? Quarterback. Does he uh, has to be him? Yeah. Well, no, it doesn't have to be him. But I, the quarterback, and I, and to me, the quarterback, <laughs> excuse me, Travis Etienne, Christian Kirk, Ridley. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are capable. 
but the man that's delivering it yeah. has got to be the guy. And I believe he can be the guy. So last week at one point, Kai, um, maybe it was after the first touchdown, he came to the sidelines and Doug met him. Do you remember? And, and Doug said something, and he kind of gestured, Trevor did, and Doug said, no, no, everyone relax. Just make everyone relax. And it seemed like for the first time he was relaxed. Have you noticed that about him? The offense wasn't great against the Colts, and then it didn't show up against Kansas City. Do you think Trevor, who has been in the spotlight since he was in middle school, has struggled this year with just calming himself down? Um, no, I, I think, you know, this past game, I, he impressed me. Okay. And so, but I think every year is different, and there's always an adjustment when you have a change of components, and even when you return the same components. You know, because everybody's in a little different level, yeah. whether it's one. I mean, even though let's say, for example, that there was no Calvin Ridley, you still have to develop chemistry for this year with the guys that are out there, Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram. You still have to establish that. So every year is different. And every year you have to establish things just from the beginning like they never happened before. And I think Trevor's just in that process. That's all. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150, loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, everything in between. This truck makes tough look easy. Your local Ford dealer, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Kainani Stevens filling in for J.P. Shadrick. Brian Sexton has joined us, and Jeff Lagerman is here, as always. We've been ragging on everybody. We should probably spread the wealth a little bit and talk about the defense because they had been playing better than we thought, but also, where's this pass rush we've been talking about, right? They said they were going to keep with their guys. And and, uh, you look at me like I have the answer. Go ahead, Brian. You're, tell, you're, tell, you're new I, here. I, tell I, us. I, I don't know where it is. And, and, Jeff, that to me may have been the most maddening part of that game. I mean, this, that was an offensive line playing without Laramie Tunsil, who uh, who didn't even travel. Uh, uh, Tyus Howard, you know, the right tackles on injured reserve. Uh, they're playing with a backup left guard. They're playing with a backup center. And, and the Jaguars got no pressure at all. Were they too stubborn about it? We're going to get there with four? No, well, no, I until don't think the, so. Until the second half when they started sending I don't think so because when they ended up trying to, to bring pressure. It, they got burned. It, it kind of got backfired in their face a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I will say um, the right tackle that played for the Texans, George Fant, yeah. good, good football player. Yeah. You know, You're and, right. And he there is. was some backups. And the, when the guy that was a backup left guard was a former first round pick. <laughs> yeah, last year. Okay, but I'm with you. Left tackle was a guy that normally plays left guard. The center's a six-round pick rookie. Okay, let's beat him up a little bit. Yeah. Also, Stroud's been sacked 11 times in the first two right, games. You, right. And hit it's 19 there more to, times. He yeah. stays in the pocket. He's not running away from a hit. So. But, but let, me, let me say this, though. I think we're in for a long haul with C.J. Stroud. Oh, I know. He I looks great. Yeah. You he know, really I mean, b before we start looking at ourselves and saying, you know, what did we do wrong? Let's give credit where credit is due. He fully took advantage of those opportunities. I yeah. loved his college film. I, I, I said this for our, all of the draft stuff that we did. That I said he would be my quarterback if I was picking, picking first overall just because he has so much arm talent. Yeah. And you have to defend the entire field. Well, now you add a football IQ that he clearly has and a calmness in the pocket. That's a dangerous combination. And so give him credit. He played outstanding. And his throws are just effortless. I mean, he, you said yeah, that last weekend. You were right. I watched that. Effortless.
He and says all the right things too. He's going to be a perfect franchise quarterback. I watched some of his availabilities. He's just talking, you know, talking about making his teammates better. Says Did all you that watch stuff. his press conference last week? Yeah. Yes. And How then he impressed start, were you with the maturity? I, I was like, I would, I would want this to be my quarterback. Yes. I'm nothing against Trevor. I'm just saying, if that was my team, I'd be happy with the choice they made. Also, he was talking. They asked someone innocently asked him about the Jaguars defense and he listed off every single starter on the defense by name and number and no and he gave them numbers I know and, and said, he told I, him you want names yeah. he said I could do names are. didn't want yeah, to brag right. yeah. and by the way that was on a Wednesday yeah. yeah okay this was not Thursday or and this was not Friday which could that be was a Wednesday you know when you're getting rookie quarterbacks some of the hardest thing is learning how to study film and he's already scouted the team I've heard he's a football junkie and uh, he definitely has football IQ I know there was a lot of criticism about and around him when he was being drafted and all that. And I don't know who came up with that, but uh, that, that was inaccurate. You're right. Long haul. I, I, I have the same feeling about him that I had. The Jaguars beat Deshaun Watson when they first saw him. Remember, he played the second half of the 2017 opener um, because they had 10 sacks in that game and knocked the other guy out, the other guy whose name I can't remember. Um, and I have the same That's feeling. That's a great like, question. I, I can't he was, remember He was a kid either. from Pitt. Yes. Dan something or other. Uh, and he was just a fill-in until the rookie was ready, and the rookie was ready in the second half. And Deshaun, then we didn't beat him again, right? I mean, we didn't touch him again until he left and was suspended. So, But I will say that uh, I never had that feeling with Deshaun Watson. Okay. Like watching his college film and then watching him in the pro game went, oh, geez, we got a long decade here yeah. of this guy. When I watch C.J. Stroud, I go, oh, jeez. Which is going to be some incredible battles. Trevor Lawrence versus C.J. Stroud. Sure. Uh, because right now, I mean, this obviously this is a quarterback league. It appears that the Jaguars have a quarterback. Texans now have a quarterback. And the other teams don't. I like how you say appears. I mean, because you, well, we you still know. are waiting. You are still waiting for more evidence. That's right. L you know, long playing career, long broadcasting career. You want to see more. What do you want to see more of? Out of this team? Or out of C.J. Stroud? No, of this quarterback, of, of Trevor. Of, of our do you want to see him carry this? Our, first of all, a, a quarterback, a, the great quarterbacks, elevate everybody around them. Okay. Everybody. Which I think he did at the end of last year. Which they do it in two ways. They do it by their performance. Right. And they also do it by their leadership. Okay. Okay. In the huddle, in the locker room, setting the tempo all season-wise, those are what the great ones do. And it appears that Trevor has done some of those things. Okay, but here comes the challenge. And when you're a young player, it's hard to be a leader because, number one, you got to have performance. Okay, and number two, got to have respect after you have performance. And so Trevor is still in the infancy stages of being a leader. But that's got to grow, and it will grow, and it's starting to grow. You can see that he's more vocal. But there's also got to be some leadership from elsewhere. Okay, and and he needs help. Okay, and I'm not talking coaching wise, because the greatest leadership comes from within. Okay, because if we're all teammates, okay, and Kai, you look at me and say, "Why aren't you doing this?" And we need, I need you to do X. Okay, I hear that a lot better than I do from a coach. Sure. Okay, so the greatest leadership is always from within, and I see that with Trevor, and and I think that's part of what's missing a little bit, not having Cam Robinson. Okay. Cam, even though, look, he's not a top 10 tackle in the league. Yeah, but he's a top performer. But he's a leader. Yeah. You know, and I think that top also not having some of that uh, hurts a little bit. But I think Trevor's going to be fine, and he's still young, and we're still in the infancy stages of his career.
All right, Jaguars Happy Hour brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. Brian's going to stick with us. We'll be right back after the break, do the injury report, and get some final thoughts before the Doug Peterson Show. We're hanging on too much of last year. Like, that's over. Um, it's a long football season. We have a lot of work to do. That's all we know right now. We're going we're gonna, to... We're going to put our head down and we're going to get to work. Back here on Jaguars Happy Hour, brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water is worth savings. Kainani Stevens in here for J.P. Shadrick. Jeff Lagerman, as always. Brian Sexton joining us as well. Quickly going to do the injury report now, presented by Baptist Health and the Jacksonville Orthopedic Institute, the official sports medicine provider of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, we're headed to London, but two of the big names, there's some people working through some stuff, but the two names I'm looking at here are going to be Zay Jones, who did not play last week because of his knee injury, and then um, Devin Lloyd, who hurt his thumb or his hand during the game against the Texans. He missed a good chunk of that game. We saw a lot of Chad Muma. Um, he'll probably be a game-time decision by by the time we get to Sunday because they don't know exactly where that's at yet. And Zay as well. Zay's, you know, at some point probably going to play in London, but we don't know if that will be against the Falcons. I don't know that it's very likely this week, just the sense I'm getting talking to people, uh, but more likely to be he'd be ready to go for Buffalo. How much did they miss him on offense when he wasn't in there? That's a great question, I mean, I know everything was going wrong, so I don't know if he was going to save the day, but but he always seems to be that guy at the sticks that makes that clutch catch that gets things started. I think think they miss him. And and in fact, let me throw this theory at you. Mm -hmm. I, I think Calvin Ridley might be the problem right now. I think that last year, and I know it was last year, but you had that rhythm with Kirk, Ingram, and Jones, and it was working. And it seems to me like they are forcing it to Calvin. And maybe they would do better to include Calvin in the mix and not make it Calvin's offense. I think there's something to be said for that. Um, Get back to what worked. But but I will say this, too, that when you have what you believe is a, is a great player, you need to feed a great player. And sometimes you're going to be a little bit more willing to do that. Okay. Because you know he's special. But if you're trying to get back to to some efficiency, right? Like, I mean, the third down numbers are abysmal. Yes. If you're trying to just – at one point, I looked down and they were 7 of 29 for the season in the third quarter of this game, and I went 7 for 29. Holy hell, that explains a lot. And if you just want to get back to an efficiency where you stay on the field, you know, what if you're just, you go back to what really worked well and then, oh, they're paying attention to this, over the top to Calvin. I'm well, oversimplifying, I know. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to, to the Zay's Jones thing here just for a minute because when you look at that wide receiver room and we always say this is a talented group, yeah. the leader is Zay. Totally. Right? Totally. Um, who's the be- best double move wide receiver they have? Zay. Zay. Okay. So, so do you need him? Yeah. I mean, look, look, you want, like what I was just saying, you know, you want leaders, right? I mean, there's a leader that you didn't have, you know, for this past game on the field. So you, you want to have him back. Uh, now, what it looks like when he comes back or what it looks like this week, okay, with Calvin Ridley, there's got to be a comfort level with the quarterback. And when I say that, there's got to be a comfort level that he feels confident and that he's going to make the right decisions and make him, make him quick. And it doesn't necessarily have to be forcing it to one particular individual. Right. It can be feeding the ball around. But then in certain situations, certain situations, calculated risk-wise, you're going to force it to a guy yeah. because you believe in him. But right now, I think if, if I'm Trevor, I'm just thinking out loud here, if I'm Trevor, do I trust Calvin Ridley yet to where I'm going to force the ball? Sure seems like he does. 
I mean, he has, but I'm, are you going to trust him this week? It's, I don't know. At certain point, does it wear out? Because I thought it was going to take a while for them to get on the same page because I didn't believe that Trevor was going to trust him right out of the gate. But from what I've seen, he goes to him in double coverage whenever he's, you know, and obviously we've seen Calvin do crazy things. He's seen the same thing, but he seems to be going to him more than he's going to, you know, maybe his safety blankets. Well, that's that why he I asked the, had. Yeah, that's why I asked the question. I just, you know, last year it didn't matter. Was it Ingram? Was it Zay? Was it Kirk? He seemed comfortable throwing to all of them. And this year he just, my perspective, he just doesn't seem as comfortable as he was. I'd like to see them lean back in the direction of Kirk, Zay when he's there, and Ingram, and then take your shot to Calvin until until he's comfortable with it. I think there's something to be be said for that. But uh, but if I'm if I'm Trevor, again, I'm going to say this. If I'm Trevor, I lost a little confidence in Calvin Ridley. Well, yeah, the ball was So I'm not necessarily going to be willing to force a ball right. as I was before. And I don't think before he had lost confidence in any of the other guys, I think it was just like Calvin was the shiny new toy, and I think that's kind of why he was going there. But I think you might be right. I think they might shift away. And, and for what it's worth, I don't want to speak for Calvin, but he – it seems to me a little bit to be, you know, when he's hot, he's hot. And right now he's not. So let's wait until he gets himself back into this and then start feeding yeah, him. Where he ball. earns his way back a little yeah, bit. Absolutely. I mean, there's two guys that if I'm if I'm Trevor right now, I'm a little hesitant to throw the ball to. Maybe three. Yeah. Right. Calvin. Yep. Probably going to not be as excited to throw the ball his way. Tank Bigsby. Oh, I wouldn't throw to him again. Okay. <laughs> Ball's bounced off of his <laughs> oh, hands. Man. He's not for the, throwing. Hey, Just I send him down the you. middle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, – Jamal. Do I, yeah, Jamal. Am I going to throw it to Jamal? He's fumbled a couple times. Three fumbles in his last four games, which, again, I, I point and go, that just doesn't seem like, you know, he was making plays last year. That That's part of the whole off, you know, I, I can't put my finger on him. What is that? I don't know. Um, but I, I look at, at Trevor right now and think, not Trevor, I look at Calvin right now and I think maybe he's a little overanxious. He talked about wanting his name back so he has something to prove. He's on a one-year deal, essentially, and he wants to get paid like receivers get paid. I wonder if there's a little anxiety there. Like, I have got to be the star right now, and maybe they don't need to just calm him down a little bit. You know, we all know some people in Atlanta who cover the Falcons, and they said he tends to get that way. He tends to get anxious, and they might need to just calm him down again. I mean, I'm not talking about third down percentage. I'm talking about someone's feelings. It's hard to say that unless he sits here and says, yeah, I'm anxious about it, but you get what I'm saying. Right. No, I totally get it. He's been through a lot. It's completely understandable. And he's, oh, in a, totally. he's in a new setting as well. We were just expecting, oh, he'll just be this all-star you know, right out of the gate. Do you know where he got me? In our first preseason television production meeting before the Dallas game, he was the first one in, and I'm sitting there with Bucky. And he looks at me. He goes, you know how good I am, don't you? And I said, well, I <laughs> well, think apparently. he goes, oh, no, no, no. I'm really good. And I went, I like this guy, right? I want to see that Calvin, mm-hmm. right? He, clearly, at this moment, he isn't feeling that. Hopefully, he does at some point in the near future. Because then I think you have that explosive combination that we all thought we would get to see this year. All right, Brian, thank you for joining us. Jeff that's Lo- it? That's it that's for all you today. Need me for? Oh. Jeff Logovin, Kainani Stevens here. <laughs> when we return, <laughs> though, Jaguars Network coverage of the Doug Peterson show coming up. We're going to talk to Doug before we jet off to London. Thank you for listening in to Jaguars Happy Hour. Welcome to the Doug Peterson Show. Brought to you by Fresh from Florida. 
J.P. Shadrick and former Jaguar Jeff Lagerman discuss the latest Jaguars news with the head coach. The Doug Peterson Show starts right now. Welcome into the Doug Peterson Show. I'm Kainani Stevens filling in for J.P. Shadrick, who abandoned us for London early. Jeff Lagerman still here and Doug Peterson, of course. Good to see you, Coach. Good to see you guys. Thank you. Coach, are you a last-second packer like me, or did you already have stuff ready to go earlier this week? Because we've been um, talking about this. There's two strategies, and I am the last-second person. I'm last-second. I'm okay. last-second. I, I spent uh, about an hour and a half last night late um, putting my stuff in the bag. You know, because for us, it's different. Because I, I get to just kind of wear True. It's hard for me to pack on this trip, you know, because I don't know what I, what I really need. But, no, it was really easy, and it was last minute. Um, Coach, you're going for two games this year, which is a little bit different. I know they have all the operations set for that, but what's the mental kind of that goes into that? And is that kind of like joint practices? How do you look at it? Well, for us, um, you know, with the Jaguar organization, we've done this for many years now. And and obviously I've been over there about three times. And, and, uh, you know, last year we were there. And and, and we do – I tell you what, uh, we've got a great team of people behind the scenes that really put this trip on and and really – make it easy for us as a football team to get over there. Um, you know, and we have to treat it just like we're here in Jacksonville, you know, on a daily basis. Um, you know, this first game, we get the bulk of our work done, you know, Wednesday, Thursday before we get on the plane. And then we got one day over there Friday and, you know, a little review, we play Sunday. And then the following week, we just keep it as normal as possible. You know, I do want the guys to kind of enjoy, you know, their time in London since we're going to be there for about 10 days. And, and uh, get some time to relax. We'll have a day off, you know, after the game. Um, but after that, it's it's back to work, and and coaches will be game planning and and uh, try to keep it as normal as I can, as if we were here in Jacksonville. Well, you you guys have a great setup over there, uh, and and the the challenge of this is that the second game, because you're going to be moving from one location to another. I was talking to George down in the equipment room, and and they're shipping containers out over there because you're at a different location and. Uh, and then there was also a shipment that was air shipped over there this week. I mean, it's amazing the logistics that go into this. Yeah, just to get you know an NFL football team over there, and for all the teams that go over, you know, I think about Atlanta having to go over, and then of course Buffalo the next week, and um, of course for us, yeah, we 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 you know spend a lot of time ahead of time uh, preparing for this and shipping a lot of equipment and gear and things like that over there, and you know, and and, and like I said, it's it makes it easy on us. We just we just kind of show up and and sort of plug and play as they say and and um you know it 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 makes it nice it makes it easy it makes it simple uh but at the same time our main main goal and focus is to play you know to play a football game well and a big football game coming up against an atlanta falcons team that uh did pretty well the first two weeks uh struggled a little bit offensively against the detroit lions but that's a good football team that offensively they got a really good running back and a really good rushing attack they really do and they're you know and that's kind of how they are built and how they how they operate right is through the run game and and um you know they got an excellent tight end who can beat you a very athletic guy and and you know you look at the defensive side of the ball too this is a physical kind of an athletic group they're they're an older veteran group but at the same time they they want to uh anyway on film it looks like they want to impose their will and their physicality you know especially with the offensive line so you know uh, we have to be in the right frame of mind we've talked all week about being a physical game defensively uh, stopping the run and controlling that because they are controlling the ball for almost 30 minutes, you know, average uh, time of possession. So, 
you know, and then offensively, we've got to make sure that when we do have the ball, that we're doing the most of it. We can't turn it over. Uh, we have to score, you know, touchdowns, field goals, things of that nature, and and uh, and play for sixty minutes. Doug, mixed results against rookie quarterbacks so far this year. Obviously, Anthony Richardson and then C.J. Stroud. I know Desmond Ritter played some last year, but this is kind of his first full season going. What have you seen from him on tape, and what do you expect to see from him on Sunday? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting um, how many young quarterbacks we're facing here early in the season. And, uh, you know, one of the things that with with Atlanta and with Desmond Ritter, they're – they're, they, with all these young quarterbacks, they do a great job as a staff to kind of protect these guys. They're not putting them out there and, and really exposing them to too much, and and really just using their strengths, right? And and uh, letting the run game really handle a lot of things for these guys. And then the passing game is is a lot of play action, a little movement, you know, high percentage type completions where the ball's coming out of their hands and are not having to process a lot of information. And and he's been doing a good job with that. And you know, you you try to get these guys into the into the third down world where where you can create some exotic fronts, you can you can do some overloads, you can pressure, you know, and try to disguise some coverages and try to, you know, uh, affect their eyes just a little bit. Young quarterbacks tend to you know rush things or get through their progressions too fast, and the ball comes out. But, um, you know, I thought C.J. Stroud last last week did a nice job of that. He handled that extremely well. But again. Coaches put him in a position to be successful, and that's what you expect this week as well. Yeah, watching him, his film uh, looks like he holds the ball at times, and uh, and so started going back. I did looked at some of his statistics from college at Cincinnati. It's amazing the guy ran the ball over 500 times at Cincinnati. I mean, so this is a guy that's capable of running. He is very capable of running, and that's something that we have to you know pay attention to. Um, you know, it's the one one position on the field defensively that sometimes you don't account for as a runner is the quarterback, and so we got to make sure that we do a good job there. And of course, as you mentioned, they got a couple of running backs that are the MB John Robinson. I think is going to be an excellent running back in this league for a long time, and he's very talented, got some speed, the physicality there. So. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a full team effort. You know, um, come Sunday. On the defensive side of the ball, Atlanta spent some money in the offseason. They I think have seven new starters on defense, something like that this year. Familiar face to Jaguars fans, Calais Campbell, a bunch of other names there. What do you look at defensively? They're doing better than projected from what we've seen so far. You know, Ryan Nielsen came over from New Orleans, their D coordinator, mm -hmm. and um, he brought a little bit of that you know Dennis Allen style of defense over there, and 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 you're seeing that with. You know, with Atlanta, this is a physical group. You know, Grady Jarrett's one of the more quick twitch as a nose tackle, interior D lineman, quick twitch, fast, a great leader, get off the ball type guy. You know, Bud Dupree and, and Calais on the outside. These two guys are just you know, a lot of experience right there. And they, you know, Bud can still move. And we've, we know him from playing in Tennessee. And, you know, Calais is Calais. He's, he's a team leader. Uh, he's got some energy. You see it. You know, and then on the back end, they went out and Bates is back there in a safety position, and and um, you know, Terrell's a corner. He's a is a guy that you know has been there, and and, and he's, you know, a uh, kind of a veteran, young veteran guy that uh, really has done some nice things. And and this this group, one of the things you see on film too is they're a game plan team that uh, is going to scheme you differently than they played the week before, right? So what we saw against Green Bay or Carolina or even Detroit might even be a little bit different against us. This is just the way he, you know, he, he handles his, his game plan. So, um, you know, we look at everything, we go back and even watch some new Orleans tape, you know, when he was there and, uh, and really get a feel for, for how he's going to try to defend us. 
How important is it for you guys on offense to have some positive things happen early in that ball game to snowball in the positive direction? It's a must. I mean, I, you go back to last week. We we dropped the touchdown pass, you know, early on the on the opening drive. And then of course we, you know, uh, missed the field goal. So we we gave up points right there right away. And th- those things are. Those are game changers. When you go down the field and, and, and score on that opening possession, it, it changes every. It changes your attitude on the sideline, your demeanor, defense goes out. And, of course, defense has been gone, going out and, and getting off the field extremely early. But what happened last week is it, it compounded, right? We missed a touchdown, missed a field goal. They go down and score. Miscommunication in the back end. Those are the things that, you know, we can't we can't let happen. Those are the mistakes and the mental errors that, that we're trying to clean up right now. And, you know, for us, it's a matter of offensively, we got to take care of the football. You know, again, we know that Atlanta is a, a ball control possession type team. And every time we get the ball offensively, again, we got to make sure that, that we're scoring and, and doing the things that we need to do. We got to take care of the football, can't turn it over. And, you know, that's kind of been our Achilles heel, you know, the last two weeks. And, and so those are things that we're, we're working on fixing and, and um, you know, um, going to see, you know, Sunday exactly, exactly how that, that plays out. Doug, you've coached for a long time. I know after the game last week, there was, you know, just a lot of question marks because the team kind of beating themselves. Does that make it harder to coach them when you know they're good and they're just making silly mistakes? Or is it more difficult because you know what they're capable of? You know, it's it's a little of both. And, and you know, I was I was very um, – I was really disappointed last last week after that game. Probably probably the most disappointed I, I've been as a head coach, you know, with a football team because it was all three phases. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't just – the defense or the offense or it was all three phases were had a hand in in that loss last week and you know of course as a head coach you look at a lot of different things right and and um you try to put a finger on it but at the same time you got to realize too you know the sun comes up on monday and mm-hmm. and and it's not as bad as you think we're, we're really close in a lot of areas um it, we're making a lot of silly mistakes and and some of it is obviously very fixable and correctable and and it, and it's really i keep i keep harping with the guys it's always going to be about us and what we do and in and, and our preparation and and um the things that we put into the week and you know work to win our mantra is is our process it's our process you know from from monday through saturday right up until game time on sunday so you know we just got to get back to that get get, get focused in on that um i think this was an eye opener for our football team for a lot of players obviously and um look for a better better performance this weekend Hopefully a point to move forward from. Doug, thanks for joining us. We'll see you you in London. We'll be right back on the Doug Peterson Show on the Jaguars Radio Network. Welcome back. The Doug Peterson Show continues right now. Yeah, I think just stay true to the vision. Understand that the vision will take care of all the work when you understand where you're going. You know what roles won't take you there. So I think for us it's just about, you know, keeping the vision in mind and not letting, you know, a loss here, a loss there, take completely off track, stay disciplined. And, um, you know, it's, it's it's a simple game, you know, when you do things right. You know, you overcomplicate things when you, um, you know, put yourself in positions that you don't practice, things that we don't coach and then don't communicate. It, it makes things like yesterday happen. Welcome back to the Doug Peterson Show, presented by Fresh from Florida from the Hyundai Studios at the Miller Electric Center. Kainani Stevens in for J.P. Shadrick, Jeff. Just got to talk to Doug, and now we're heading to London later on tonight. Did you pack everything already? Are you a late, uh, sec- are you a late packer, or do you try to 
pre-pack. Well, I know we had to pre-pack, you know, so unfortunately, but I'm not a pre-packer for the so most part. So you were part. Wednesday night, like, getting everything yeah, I'm together. like, okay, it's got to be done. We're checking bags tomorrow, so I'm going to pack my bags tonight. Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not one of those guys. Like my wife, though, she'll pack days in advance. She's good at that. I'm so bad at it. I can't do that. I got to do laundry and then I'm like throwing everything in last second. I'm stressed. And then I tried to this time leave a little bit of space because I know I'm going to buy stuff probably because we're there for like 10 days now. Well, and and what's very different is in the past, it's been, I think the longest time we were there one year, we flew uh, right to London right after a game on Sunday that was home. And then one year we did it right after a game in Cincinnati. And so the longest time we spent over there has been basically a week. And now you're talking about two games, 10 days. So a little different for for this football team, different for, for us, for staff, et cetera, just because you're you're packing for a little longer and hopefully there are some facilities where we can wash clothes. Yeah. Um, but for the players, they're, they're wearing football stuff for the most part. Oh, yeah, they're part. fine. And they've got a, a great setup. I will say that uh, of all the years that the Jaguars have been going over since, I think, 2013, maybe it's the first year it was or whatever it was, they have it figured out. Hams and his staff do an amazing job. And the, uh, the facility that they have typically stayed at for the last number of years is called the Grove. It's awesome setup. The players literally have great uh, hotel. It's got grounds where the football field is at. They've got a workout room, weight room under a tent. And they can walk out of the hotel literally right to the practice field. And then the, the food hall and everything is right there. It's a perfect setup. But this year it's a little different. So you have that set up for the first week, and it's your home game against the Atlanta Falcons. But then after that, you go somewhere else. Yes, I think it's because the home team gets to pick where they go, right? And yeah, and a I little don't know gentleman's exactly agreement. Why. I think the Buffalo Bills wanted the good setup. Yeah, I don't know exactly why, week. but uh, it, it's a it, that's a little bit different. And then also two games back to back will be a little bit different from from the player standpoint. Uh, but the organization does it first class. You know, the players have every kind of amenity that they need. Um, so it's not like they're going over there and they're roughing it and they're without all the, the great things that they have here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they don't have the Miller Electric Center. True. Not but, that. Not no, not to that here. level, but it's good nonetheless. Have you ever traveled, like, uh, I don't know if you're playing days, like, you know, some teams will go to California and they'll stay out there for if they have back-to-back games or the West Coast, anything like, did you ever do anything like that for your career? Because I'm curious, trying to stay there for as long as we're going to be there for these two games and then come back, what that might be like. Yeah, the coming back part is... is that could be tough because you'll be acclimated to, you know, the five-hour time difference. For and me, it's, it's always, I've always had an easier time going West than going coming. East. Okay. Okay, because when you go west, you just stay up a little bit later, and then you go to bed, and, and or you can even go to bed a little bit earlier, and you get a little extra sleep. Uh, when you go east, you get all discombobulated. Everything's messed up, yep. Because you're going back, and it's tomorrow. Well, wait a minute. It's not tomorrow. It's still tonight. You but lost it's tomorrow. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's a little bit different from, from that aspect of it, but um, – Never as a player, never really had to go to California and stayed there for a long period of time, but have gone out to the West Coast many times early, you know, on a Thursday or even on a Friday with uh, uh, the opportunity to acclimate to a West Coast time. And I hated that. I never it's liked tough. going out early. I'd rather just fly in, do a game, but uh, London is very different. But, but it's what's incredible is that over the years, they've done sleep studies. 
they they have it down to a science. When I say they have it down to a science, they have it down to a science from a, a logistical standpoint, getting everything over there that they need to. But then also from a performance football player standpoint, they've done sleep studies, they've done diet studies. What's the best way to to uh, uh, have your what do you do on the plane? Do you try to sleep the whole way? Do you take a sleeping pill? Do you hydrate? Do you eat? You know, when you, you get film? there, you know, when you get there, okay, what's the best thing to do? And now they got it where they fly through the night, Thursday, get as much sleep as you can, and you get there, go right to the practice field, and then let the players get a nap if they need to on Friday afternoon, and then let them have a little bit of free time on Friday night, and then, uh, you know, Saturday you get back to work. Do you alter it when you come back a little bit? Uh, what have they done in the past? Is Monday maybe a day off? Because we fly back right after the game, the second game. Yeah, um, and you get back late Sunday night. Yeah, and which, then kind of give that a day off instead of what you normally do on Monday. Yeah, and I think, again, it's easier going west, so it's easier coming back. But at the same token, you still have to be able to recoup because you're talking about spending, what is it, seven, eight hours in the air on an airplane. Um, it's never easy traveling whether you go east or west. Uh, I'd rather go, like I said, west. Um, but when you have so much new, okay, new traveling to London, having a game, changing hotels, another game, which has never been done before, and then traveling back and then getting right back into game mode again, and then a short week after that first game back, uh, it's different. It's different. It'll, it'll be a challenge, and that's why you want to make sure that you try to get back to performing well this first week against the Falcons because if you don't play well this week, there's other challenges that are associated with the next week and then the week after that. There are other hurdles, but as we said, they've got it down pretty good. It's going to be 10 games now that they played in London, so that'll be pretty impressive, and we'll have two in a row this year. So, Jags fans, if you want customized Jaguars furniture for your home, check out ZipChair.com to browse all customizable options. ZipChair is furniture for fans. All right, we're going to London. Let's talk Falcons when we get back. We're going to preview this week's matchup against Atlanta right here on the Doug Peterson Show on Jaguars Radio. Welcome back. The Doug Peterson Show continues right now. So Jacksonville, like, like you just brought it up, they're a team that's going to come in this game desperate because uh, they got a really good coaching staff and they got a good team, a talented player, a team that's like they've invested in essentially you know, four pass catchers and a quarterback they took number one and a good player and they played well in the last season and we got we got to play real well. Welcome back to the Doug Peterson Show presented by Fresh from Florida. Kainani Stevens here with Jeff Lagerman. That was Art Smith, Falcons head coach. They're in a tough spot too. They just had a tough loss to the to the Detroit Lions and both of these teams are going to be kind of desperate going into this, needing this win. And never good when both teams are desperate because you don't know what's going to happen. But hopefully the Jaguars are the good kind of desperate where they get back on track and don't just try to play crazy. Well, it's, this is going to be a challenging game. And uh, Atlanta Falcons came out. Nobody gave them any respect. And then they opened the season up with two wins, 2-0. Two yeah. and, and what's scary about the Atlanta Falcons is that they've got some serious skill position players and a really good offensive line that will challenge the Jaguars defensively. Um, the one position that's a little bit unsettled, which most people are like, that's a big question mark, is Desmond Ritter, the quarterback. But there's no doubting Bijan Robinson, the running back from Texas, who they drafted very high. 
they've got arguably the most talented tight end. Kyle Pitts is a freak. He always has been, yeah. Freak, an absolute freak of a tight end. Drake London, excellent player. Um, offensive line, two really good tackles, both of them uh, veteran guys. They've got a highly rated center, arguably one of the best guards in football, and, and Chris Littrum. Um, know his uncle very well, but uh, this is a challenge this week. And uh, the Jaguars' offense will be challenged as well because the Falcons aren't giving up a lot of points. They are not, and we're trying to get our offense back on track, so that could be troublesome. Yeah, um, and that's why, I mean, from, from a challenging standpoint, the, the Falcons have spent a bunch of money in free agency on the defensive side of the ball, and they got new faces across the board. Calais Campbell. Our friendly okay. face, yeah. yeah. Which I love Calais. Um, he, uh, and I think they tried to get him here again in the offseason. I know he visited. Yep. And uh, some other guys, Jeff Okuda, who is a high uh, first-round pick for the Detroit Lions cornerback. Uh, they signed Jesse Bates III, who is a safety from the Cincinnati Bengals, who's a, a very good player. Um, Grady Jarrett's been there forever, defensive tackle. He's still really good. Bud Dupree, who uh, used to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers most recently with the Tennessee Titans, is there. So they've got some good players on defense. And uh, Terrell, the corner from Clemson. And by the way, there may be more players from Clemson in this game than any other game. They're, they're, they're going to be well represented abroad. Ton of Clemson sure. guys in this game, man. Uh, Dabo would uh, would like Maybe to attend this game. I'm sure. Yeah, if he has some time. Um, you mentioned the defense. I think I looked, and there was maybe at least seven different starters they have on on defense this year compared to last year, and mm-hmm. that's a different philosophy than the Jaguars took in terms of standing pat on defense. Pretty much the it, same. It is, but it's similar to the Jaguars' approach that they took in 2017, and they went in free agency okay. and signed a bunch of guys, and it paid off for the Jaguars. And right now, it's paying off for the Falcons. I mean, they're top ten in points allowed, uh, averaging 18 points a game. Um, they're the number four rated team and in, in against the pass. I'm giving you some numbers here. Okay. Third down efficiency. They're top 10. <laughs> okay. I don't think we were doing good before so, they end. This. So this I know, you know, you think about all these, uh, okay, like, okay, you wanted this, this offense to go ahead and get better. Uh, these are some things red zone. They're just out of the top 10, number 11. So there's some, there's some challenges this week, uh, with this Atlanta Falcons football team. And, and Arthur Smith is a really good football coach. Um, one of the best offensive minds in football, but I think he's a really good head coach. He hasn't had the results yet in Atlanta, uh, but he also hasn't had the trigger man yet. He's had a lot of quarterback issues. I mean, from Marcus Mariota yeah. last year, which was, um, I don't want to say a train wreck, but it didn't go very well. And then Desmond Ritter is, you know, the hopeful one. And they're building everything around that quarterback position. And I think they're hopeful that Desmond Ritter is the answer, but I don't know if he necessarily is. We'll see. Time will tell. The second week in a row where the Jaguars are going to be facing off against a quarterback that's been sacked a lot. Desmond Ritter has been sacked a lot. C.J. Stroud had been sacked a lot until he faced us. Um, is this where we see the pass rush step up, hopefully? Well, or, or should, we, should I stop calling them out and uh, I just hope so. start looking elsewhere? Because well, what concerns me is twofold. One, the offensive line, Matthews at left tackle, McGarry at right tackle, good players, good good guard, good center. Uh, this is a good offensive line. they got good skill position players. But the other part is is because he's been sacked 12 times, a lot of people say, oh, easy target, he's easy to sack. Desmond Ritter is a mobile quarterback. And if you need any evidence of that, look at his college stats. In college, when he was at Cincinnati, he had 500, over 500 rushes. 
500 rushes okay. as a quarterback. Okay. Um, he doesn't have that many in the pros, obviously, because he hasn't been playing that much, but he has mobility. He's not Anthony Richardson, okay, which the Jaguars faced week one. Okay. And he's not C.J. Stroud, okay, because Anthony Richardson is a mobile quarterback who's not afraid to run, and he's big and strong like Cam, Cam Newton. Okay, C.J. Stroud is a pocket passer. And he'll sit there. Desmond Ritter is somewhere in the middle there. So you got to make sure that you've got an awareness that he can run and that he is willing to run because he has a history of running in college. And he's got a young NFL career, so a lot of people are using him. I guarantee you the Jaguars defensive staff as part of the preparation this week have went back and watched his college film just to get, in, get an idea of what he does. We're going to have to see it firsthand in a couple of days. Stay with us here on the Doug Peterson Show on the Jaguars Radio Network. Welcome back. The Doug Peterson Show continues right now. No, even a game like yesterday, and that's the one thing, too, where like those guys have been in some you – know, you got some salty vets over there, right? Like That's what you're relying on when you bring you know, Bud in, Dave, David, Calais, Jesse, Caden. The old analogy, it wasn't their first rodeo on the road. You know, sometimes like that's that's what the expectation is. Welcome back into the Doug Peterson Show presented by Fresh from Florida. Kainani Stevens here with Jeff Lagerman. That was Art Smith of the Atlanta Falcons. We talked a little bit about this just in the segment before, but all those new names on defense, they are uh, salty vets, as, as Art called them, and they had a little bit of a tough time with Detroit last week, but before that, they they've they been looking real good. Though. I mean, uh, they did. I will good. say. I will say on the road. Yeah, and Detroit, as we've seen, beat the Chiefs. There, they're not nothing to be messed with either. Atlanta's offense just uh, struggled mightily. Um, they ended up having I can't remember how many sacks of, of Ritter. I think seven. it was five, six, seven, whatever it was, which is why he's now one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the league. Yep. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, I think, had two. Um, but, uh, look, uh, th- this Falcons defense, as Arthur Smith was just talking about, is kind of that's going to be the rock for this football team in Atlanta. And that's why he said they brought in these veteran guys to kind of stabilize that side of the ball. And Calais is a guy that definitely is a perfect kind of example of a guy you want to bring in in free agency because he's all about team. He's productive, and he's going to make sure that he brings everybody along with him. Jesse Bates, the safety, he's got three interceptions already. That's wild. Three games, he's got three interceptions. Um, surprised that Cincinnati let him go, but they had to pay Joe Burrow. So you gotta, you got to find <laughs> so, the money somewhere. you got to go on the couch and find the coins. So. Well, the Jaguars' offensive line will be challenged. Uh, you know, Grady Jarrett has been probably one of the better football players that nobody ever – talks about in the National Football League just because Atlanta hasn't been good. And he's been there his whole career, but he's a good football player that's been active. Uh, he's a challenge to block. Um, what I'm going to be anxious about is, and, and I still want to watch more film, where's Bud Dupree at? You know, Bud Dupree was hurt so much when he was in Tennessee. You know, when he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was pretty doggone good. Is he back to form at all? Um, and then a couple other guys, one of them that Lorenzo Carter has, has been productive. But then Arnold, and I haven't learned how to pronounce his, his name yet. Okay. okay. Second-year player out of Penn State. He wears number 17. Okay. He, 
Bickety, Bickety. I'm still trying to figure that out. They'll give us the pronunciations, But they've got some good young players mixed with these veteran guys, and it's going to be a challenge for this Jaguars football team. But, you know, the great thing about playing at Wembley is this has really become a home field advantage. Which is cool. When it first started, it was – there was a million jerseys from all teams and all de- and all eras of professional football. I mean, you saw Zonka jerseys and you know Joe Namath jerseys. And you're like, geez, and he, and you'd see so many different teams. They were always represented. Well, over the years, the Jaguars' following has increased, and 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 obviously, the more success that this team has, the even the bigger that it's going to get. But it really has become a home atmosphere now that the team runs the operations at Wembley and it's not a league thing. You know, the the stadium has a Jaguars feel to it. It has a Jaguars fan feel to it. And it's a, a tremendous atmosphere, tremendous atmosphere. And I, and I love feeling that atmosphere every year. Now, Tottenham, I've never been to. And that's going to be totally foreign. Being in a foreign country and you're at a away game, it's going to be different. A little bit. But we'll be there for the week, so we'll get, get the lay of the land. Yeah. We should be okay. Um, and and when you have that advantage, we go there every year, right? It's a little different for us this year with the two games, but Atlanta doesn't do that every year. So that you have that little bit of an advantage in that regard. And as we mentioned, Desmond Ritter, um, I did want to mention we talked about some of the sacks on him. Smith went over some of those in his availability, and he said mm-hmm. three. So there were seven. He said three happened on play action. One was uh, we held on, and that was a coverage sack. And then two were quick hitters, just bum rushes. And then one was uh, Ritter holding on to the ball, he said. so. Well, and that's, that's typically a trait of a young quarterback. Sure, and trying that, to figure things out. And which, which was shocking about C.J. Stroud this past week because he didn't hold on to the known. ball. You never would you have known. You wouldn't have known that he was a rookie. And Desmond Ritter's not a rookie, but he's still a young quarterback. And young quarterbacks hold on to the ball because they're still trying to go through progressions. You know, when Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were going through their progressions in their heyday, they were already starting the progression before the play was snapped. Yep. Okay, they had pre-snap reads and tips, and they figured things they out. They already knew. And so, they, were, you know, Tom Brady might have been on his fourth read before the ball was even snapped because he knew. And it was the same thing with Tom Brady. Well, young quarterbacks like Trevor – and Desmond Ritter even more so because he's not as experienced as Trevor. It takes more time. They hold the ball a little bit longer, and so they're going to get sacked more. But, uh, again, the concern for me with with this game is Desmond, uh, Desmond Ritter does have the ability to run, and uh, that concerns me with a Jaguars defensive front that has not been consistent at getting pressure on the quarterback. They have not been consistent. That is definitely an area that needs to be worked on, among other things, this week in week four. So we're going to take a quick break. Coming back, we'll talk a little bit more about the Falcons and Bijan Robinson, who lit the world on fire. Cooled off a little bit last week, but we'll see what we're going to see from him coming up on the Doug Peterson Show on the Jaguars Radio Network. Welcome back. The Doug Peterson Show continues right now. Here on the Doug Peterson Show, Kainani Stevens with Jeff Lagerman and talking Falcons because why not? We got to preview things for this weekend. Um, a lot of, if anyone hadn't 
followed them too closely. Bijan Robinson was a high pick this year, and he really has lit the world on fire out of Texas. Those first couple of games uh, really lit things up against the Packers. Was held a little bit in check against the Lions because we know that defense. We saw that in training camp and the co-practices. That defense over there is pretty good. And what does he bring to the table? Because as we talk about a young quarterback, it's so helpful to have a running back that can open things up for you. Well, he's, a, he's a true bell cow running back. Right. What I mean by bell cow, for those that don't know that lingo, he's a guy you can hand it to him 20, 25, 30 times a game, and he can carry the load. And he was that at Texas, and I think he can continue to be that. Now, the uh, running back out of Alabama that ended up getting drafted by the Detroit Lions, I liked him a little bit better just because he was so dynamic in the passing game. But Robinson is a true pounded out running back and he's also proven to be a very capable wide receiver you know he's got 39 rushes on the year and he's averaging five and a half yards a carry which is impressive but he's their leading receiver also which is one of two things slightly one, problematic because well, well it's one he's, he's good yes but, but it also shows that you've got a young quarterback right okay and the quarterback is dumping it down to the running back because he's not seeing the field to be able to deliver it to to other other players but I love Robinson he's got speed he's got strength he's got great vision and the Jaguars have been pretty good against the run so far this year but this will be their biggest challenge in stopping the run for two reasons one the offensive line that Atlanta has but then number two the commitment that they have to it and then number three and I wouldn't necessarily rank it as three is Robinson the running back because he's really good I was going to say before this game against the Texans, I would have said, oh, the, the run defense is a strong suit. They shouldn't have too much of an issue, but things kind of fell apart on us in every aspect in that last game. So this is going to be a true test because, as you mentioned, he's multifaceted as well, and there's not always guys coming out of college that are immediately like that. So he is rare in that respect. No, yeah, he was, you know, he probably could have played in the NFL three years ago. Which is wild. I mean, yeah. Just, you know, he's a man. Um you know, the other thing I think about the Atlanta offense is that, you know, you've, you've got Drake London, who's a tremendous player, and, and uh, Mac Hollins, another guy who uh, – uh, Hodge is also wide receiver that they have. But when you look at a young quarterback, and it, it always kind of remains true, you look at who the leading receivers are, and typically it's tight ends and running backs. And that's exactly what it is with the Atlanta Falcons. And they're willing to play that style of football because Arthur Smith knows that, look, they need to play in the way they're going to play and win football is they're going to play good defense, depend and lean on those veteran guys that they acquired. And then also ball control offense. Don't get sloppy with the ball. Desmond Ritter has done a pretty good job at protecting the ball. He's only got one interception, one lost fumble. And then be able to run the ball, control the tempo of the game. And uh, they were able to do that two out of three games. And the Jaguars will have their hands full, again, because that offensive line with Atlanta and a good running attack will make it harder for them to rush the passer, which has been their Achilles heel so far. And these two teams seem to be in similar situations as well, right? They, well, obviously the Falcons have gotten a little bit better. They had a hiccup against the Lions, but still trying to figure things out. Um, obviously, Trevor's been in the league a little bit longer than Ritter has but trying to get that identity going a lot of new faces on defense um, and they're in a division that is you know last year was deplorable and now they're looking pretty good other than the Panthers yeah I, I think it's still, still I, I'm, early. St I'm still going to keep it back into <laughs> last year's category because okay. I, th I think they got a they've got a long way to go and 
you, you can, to me, you can evaluate every division by starting with one position, and that's the quarterback. And you look at all of the quarterbacks that are in that division. You know, you got a rookie, you got a journeyman, you got an unproven young player. It's just, it's not happening in that division. And, uh, you know, the Jaguars, I think, uh, but, they, but I still believe that they have their hands full because, again, Arthur Smith does such a really good job of running this offense the way that's going to give them the best chance to win. He's a good football coach. And there's been a lot of really good football coaches that have never gotten the credit because they've never had the man at quarterback. And Arthur Smith hasn't even had anything coming close to being the man yet. Okay, but he's done a good job of making them competitive. And Jerry Fontenot, their general manager, has done a good job of putting some pieces in place. The Atlanta Falcons are a quarterback away from being a really good football team. And right now, their quarterback is not there. You know, And hopefully he doesn't get there this week. Yes, hopefully not this week. Um, Coming up, we've talked a lot about the Falcons. After the break, we're going to talk about what the Jaguars need to do to turn things around. We're here on the Doug Peterson Show on the Jaguars Radio Network. Welcome back. The Doug Peterson Show continues right now. Back here on the Doug Peterson Show, presented by Fresh from Florida. We talked a lot about the Falcons, but the Jaguars have a lot of their own figuring out that they need to do. Doug Peterson was saying in his availability back on Monday, I think someone asked him if this could be a turning point, right? Because after that game, he was almost speechless at points, trying to figure out what went wrong when everything went wrong. And, um, Last season, he kind of pointed to that Detroit game that went just about as poorly as could go, and they used that a little bit as a turning point, you know, and and t- turned their season around, made the playoffs, had that crazy comeback, and this will be a marker game, I think, the Texans game, good or bad, Jeff. Well, I, I hope so. I hope it is a game that we look at and we look back at and say, okay, that that was the game that spurred them on to great things, and uh, it's not going to be easy. Um, because you had multiple aspects of your game that were off against the Texans, and you've got to you got to fix some things pretty quick. And that's the hard part about the season is that you just you don't have a whole lot of time to fix things, and you don't have the ability to have lengthy practices or padded practices to fix things. You're kind of fixing things on the fly. Um, but the great thing is is that I, I believe that you've got a quarterback who is is exceptional, and I think that he's going to be able to help this football team. In a huge fashion, you've got an excellent head coach who has been there and done that. And, uh, and I like what they did. And, and I'm going to go back to this again because I mentioned it uh, earlier. The Jaguars established their, their physical nature a little bit against the Texans a bit. And that when, I, when I say that, we can't forget that they did one good thing in that game. They ran the ball well with ETN. And I think that's going to carry them and give them something to kind of lean on against this Falcons football team. And everything else will come. Evan Ingram's a good football player, okay? Christian Kirk is a good football player. Calvin Ridley is a good football player. When these guys start making the plays that are there, this team is going to be really special. It's not there yet, but I believe they will be there. And the running game is going to be a little bit of a crutch until they can get back to that. And, uh, And I hope that Trevor continues to protect the ball fairly well. Because that is something that if you all of a sudden start turning the ball over on top of what you've had, you're going to have a really hard time. I'll give Trevor credit as well because he's looked good. And some of those passes that were not caught are 
beautiful throws. He hasn't been making a lot of dumb mistakes. You know, sometimes he gets a little excited early on, overthrows some people um, or an interception here or there. Hasn't been doing that. He's been making good decisions. Things, Other things have been going wrong well, as well. We so. got to catch the ball. Yeah. We got to catch the ball. Okay. And last year, the Jaguars had the most drop passes in the league. And I made a note of this at the beginning of the season. It was 25. The year before that, they had 28. I don't know what the number is now. I think it's right around six. Are we leading so far as okay. well? Okay, and that's not where you want to be. You, you need to kind of move past that category. Okay, in this past game, Evan had one and, and Calvin had two. You've got to be better in that category, especially when you have a gimme. Okay, when the balls are easier and they're right there. And three of those drops in this past game were right there and should have been caught. All right, one more quick break. We'll be back here on the Doug Peterson Show on Jaguars Radio. Welcome back. The Doug Peterson Show continues right now. I just think it comes down to each man. Just It's a want to, a will to, you know. Um, you know obviously, we can. it's a staff. You can create it with, with games and, and different things, you know, stunts and stuff. But I'll say it's hard when the ball's out of the quarterback's hand, you know fast so you're on your second step or maybe your third step making a move and the ball's gone uh, it does affect that a little bit but but we can be better um, just understanding the uh, uh, the pass rush the game plan you know that week and and, and really um, use that to our advantage um, you know when you can back here on the Doug Peterson show presented by fresh from Florida that was Doug Peterson talking about the pass rush and at a certain point he said as much you got to man up and, and make it happen and I know we talked Jeff a little bit about the physicality we saw from the offense finally get the running game going but for lack of a better phrase does the defense just need to be more physical well I think they're doing a really good job of being physical against the run and then I think that's allowing them the opportunity to rush the passer and therein lies the challenge this week because of Robinson who's a good back and you got a good offensive line, I think this is a bigger challenge than the Jaguars have faced yet this season because they've given themselves a chance to rush the passer by being pretty stout against the run. Well, here comes the greatest challenge at stopping the run because this is the best running football team that they've faced. So can they continue to be able to stop the run like they did before? Then once they do, can they rush the passer better than they have in the past? And I I think that this is going to be a season-long I don't want to say struggle, but it's going to be a season-long conversation that we may have because the old saying, it's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmys and the Joes, and that when you get Aaron Donald or you have one of those T.J. Watts, okay, or or Nick Bosa's, okay, then all of a sudden your pass rush is pretty good. And right now there's not one of those guys on this football team on the front four. And so you've got to be able to do some things, I think, that are, one, creative, and number two, you just got to stay after it. And when I say stay after it, you've got to have four guys that are, that are pinning their ears back, that are in the best position possible and have, in order to have a chance. And, uh, and Josh has to get healthy and to be better for this football team because right now he's their best pass rusher. He certainly has the mentality for it, and we know he's had that shoulder injury against the Chiefs and – Hopefully, if we can get him back to 100%, he's in a contract year, so you, you think you'd see the best he has. Well, you can tell that he's 
he's not quite at a hundred percent. Okay. And, and, and that's not a good thing, but it's part of playing in the NFL. Nobody's at full strength. Trayvon needs to take a step. Okay. Trayvon needs to get on the edges of players and become a more of a successful pass rusher. He's trying to bully guys. Okay. You can do that in college. You can't do that in the National Football League. He's got to get on the edges of offensive linemen and use that power because that power becomes even greater when there's indecisiveness on the offensive lineman's part when you're on their edges. All right, Jeff, we're getting on a plane soon. We're going to London. Where's your go-to spot? Is it, is it tourists? I just follow thing? JP because he's big over there. And you know what? He left us early, so he gets no credit for today because he, is he just a, left us to clean everything up for him. He is a total pub hound. That's true. He yeah. knows all the spots. Total and he's already probably at a party right now. He's probably at a pub right now. Oh, of course he is. Let's be honest. JP's Close, big over there. Closing things down. I'm looking forward to it, though, because uh, staying in a different place, staying in downtown London this year, typically I've stayed with the team. This year I'm not, which uh, there's some positive and some negative to that. But uh, I'm going to try to take a little bit more of the sights and sound of London in while still enjoying some good football. I'll be there with you. Uh, as for our viewers and listeners, uh, 6.30 a.m., we're going to have the Public's Tailgate Show kicking things off. So up bright and early because kickoff's at 9.30 Florida time. And, of course, we want to thank everybody here. I'm filling in for JP because, as we mentioned, he gets no thank yous. But uh, we will thank everyone else that helped put this show together. Joe Fortunato, Brent Reber, um, Andrea Curry, Will Pease, Kate Waski. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you for letting me come and sit Absolutely. down with you. And, of course, we love to take part in all of the fun here. So thanks for listening to the Doug Peterson Show on the Jaguars Radio Network.